Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was a cold evening in January 2023 in Navajo Summit, Arizona. I had my two nieces with me, one was six, the other eight. I had gone to our family cabin, waiting on my sister to return from town. The evening started at about 7 p.m., and we didn't have a key to the house. We waited for a couple hours, and the girls eventually fell asleep in my truck. As the night continued, the temperature also dropped. I fell asleep as well. I woke around 9.30 p.m. It was very cold in the truck. I started the vehicle. As I depressed the brake pedal to start the truck, I noticed in the side mirror a face looking at me from the glow in the taillight. I hesitated to look at first, but gathered enough courage to observe it again. I saw a white face with long gray-white hair and black eyes looking at me. I freaked out. Once I started the truck, I sped off and headed to the highway not sure if what I saw was following us. It was. I continued down the highway in a panic. After a few minutes, I felt as if something had jumped into the bed of my truck. 
I turned west ahead towards a town called Ganado. I went as fast as I could to my parents' house. Upon reaching the turnoff, I felt it jump out of the truck and watched the same white-haired entity run along the right-of-way fence. As I pulled up to the house, I quickly carried my nieces inside. Once inside, I situated the girls for bed. Later that night, I dreamed that I walked about two miles to my aunt's house. No one was home. As I walked back home, I noticed this same white-haired thing paralleling me. I quickly ran home, went inside and locked the door behind me, and then went to bed. As I woke the next morning, I noticed sand and dirt at the foot of my bed. I told my parents of what had happened and of what I had dreamed. Since we are native Navajo, they took me to a medicine man, and he told me that I actually sleepwalked to my aunt's house, and when I entered the house, it followed me in. Totally freaked me out. Did I encounter a skinwalker? The medicine man refused to answer my questions, but my father is still vigilant and believed that I was the target of a native witch. So I grew up in a small town in Canada. Just up from my house in the hillside, there was a shack. This shack was a bit bigger than an outhouse had a bed and a desk in it. Every full moon at about 2 a.m., you could see this figure standing overlooking my neighborhood, followed by a dark, ominous laugher and cries if this thing has been hurt deeply. What's strange is only the kids in the neighborhood could see it. It doesn't stop there, though. We were all sitting in the hot tub at my neighbor's house, and the house next to his was just getting built, so there was no fence between his house and the new house. We were all talking when my buddy saw something in the basement window he was facing the house. We all turn and at the same time we see an old man in the window and his smile grew to a huge size. We all saw it. Since then nothing has happened because we all moved and went separate ways. But now the hillside has been fully developed into housing. Do you think this was an evil entity or some soul suffering? When I was 11 years old, my father decided to treat us to a sledding adventure on a logging road not too far from our home. The location boasted higher elevation, guaranteeing better snow for our winter escapade. We gathered our excitement and set off to a place known as the Five Mile Cause, named after the steep hill it featured. As we arrived at our destination, I couldn't contain my enthusiasm. The left side of the hill was adorned with towering timber while the right side revealed a vast clear-cut. At the bottom of the hill, a road emerged, stretching into the open expanse. My father, the ever-prepared adventurer, had even built a fire at the top of the hill to keep us warm as we indulged in the thrill of sledding. Eager to experience the rush, I decided to embark on a solo run down the hill. With adrenaline coursing through my veins, I slid down the slope, feeling the wind whip past me. Finally, I reached the bottom and gracefully came to a stop. Excitedly, I hopped off the sled and rose to my feet, ready to relish in the triumph of my speedy descent. But as I turned to my right, an unexpected sight froze me in my tracks. Two towering figures stood before me, their presence both mesmerizing and unsettling. These creatures, larger than any I had ever seen, locked their gaze upon me. In that moment, time seemed to stand still, and an inexplicable fear gripped my heart. Without a second thought, 
I pivoted on my heels and began walking away from the enigmatic beings. At first, my steps were cautious and deliberate, my eyes darting back to ensure I was not being pursued. But the growing sense of urgency urged me to quicken my pace. As my heart raced, I broke into a run, propelled by an instinctual need to distance myself from the unknown. About one o'clock in the morning, I stepped out on the front porch to put some dry food out for the cats, and evidently, I scared some type of creature because it was eating off the porch. And when I got out there and shut the door, it went down the bottom of the stairs to the driveway. It was small round. I didn't see any legs. I couldn't see its face. It didn't turn around. It had long brown hair that hung to the ground, and it started to move and it waddled as fast as it could, which wasn't very fast. It didn't have any legs, and as it waddled, it kind of moved down the driveway. It started to grow, get taller, and the brown hair was gone. It became short hair, dark hair. The legs grew as it went down the driveway. It wasn't making a sound, and I thought, as it's going down, I'm thinking raccoon. It gets to the end of the driveway, and it's tall like a deer, and I think deer. It runs across the street, it's not making a sound. It clears the sidewalk across the street with one foot, and at that point I hear a hoof print. A hoof print. It ran across the lawn, the front lawn of the people up the street. They also have a concrete patio right after the lawn, and at that point, it made no noise as it went across the patio. At that point, I could see that it was growing long black hair, and it was running, and it was flowing up behind it. I watched it until it got all the way past all their lights. The street was well lit. I saw everything from the bottom of my porch to the end of the driveway. Hoof prints on the sidewalk cleared the lawn. No noise as it was going across their patio, and it started to grow long hair. Black long hair that flowed out behind it. I don't know. I watched it until it went into the darkness. I had my porch light on. We have a street light out in front of the house. People across the street had their porch light on, which was unusual for one in the morning. We live in a cul-de-sac. The street is not very wide. At the end of the cul-de-sac, there's a field there, and there's a creek through their backyard. And so it ran into the darkness. A couple of days later, I went over to the lady that lives in the cul-de-sac. I went in, sat down, and I told her all the things, and she sat there, stared out the window for a moment, and she said, well, I guess things happen. And she thought for another moment and said that she sees all kinds of animals coming up from the creek all the time. When I was 13 or 14, my mother's friend asked if I would like to babysit her kids for a few hours one night. I live in a rural town, and to get to their house, you have to drive to the outskirts of the town about 15 minutes up a steep and narrow hill, surrounded by forest. Their house was just off the road. Now if you pass their house, the road continues up into the mountains and forest and eventually starts heading down the other side and on to a main road, where you can turn right and head back to the town. This is a substantially longer route if you want to head back to town. Also pitch black as you're driving through woods. I was so exited and felt grown up to babysit. Mum's friend was lovely and her husband was a police officer. My dad dropped me off and Mum's friend was going to give me a lift home. 
I was there for a few hours, 11 p.m. or so, and all went well. When they returned, the mother said her husband police officer was going to drive me home. As we started off, he didn't turn right. Back down the road. The way we had come, he turned left, heading up the mountain and into the forest. I asked him, why are we going this way? He replied, it's just another way. Those were the only words he spoke to me. We sat in silence. He drove slowly deeper into the forest. When I said it was a longer route, I mean 45 minute drive instead of 15. I thought it was weird, but I was a naive and innocent kid. At one point I asked him if we were nearly there yet. No answer. I remember thinking maybe they had an argument as they were pretty cold with each other. When they got home, he did drop me off home safe and sound, and I thought nothing of it. Until I was an adult and the memory popped into my head one day. I don't understand why a grown man and a police officer would take that route with a young teen at 11.30 at night. I often wonder if he had sinister reasons. I didn't babysit again. Maybe I knew deep down it was weird. I never imagined that a secret meeting among government generals would thrust me into a living nightmare. I sat in a dimly lit, windowless room, surrounded by stern-faced men in uniform. Our top general, a man of steely resolve, paced before us, his voice commanding attention. Gentlemen, he began, we have captured one of the unknown creatures, but it has fled our laboratory. We must find it before it wreaks havoc. The hushed tension in the room was palpable as he continued to describe the creature we had inadvertently unleashed upon the world. Its description sent shivers down my spine. It had black fur that was very coarse looking, even for this time of year, the general explained. It was kind of like fur on a bear, but it stood up on two legs just like you and I do. The face was very wide, with eyes that were kind of glowing and pulsating white. It had very long arms, not quite as long as an ape's, but they hung right by its chest, and the hands only had three fingers, no thumbs that I could see. The fingers resembled more like claws. The room fell into an uneasy silence. The mere thought of such a creature roaming free in the world was a chilling prospect. The general's grim expression revealed the gravity of the situation. As the general continued to brief us on the urgency of the situation, I couldn't help but think of the innocent hikers and campers who frequented our national forests. They were oblivious to the lurking horror that had been unleashed upon them. Days turned into nights as we embarked on a relentless hunt for the escaped creature. Our search took us deep into the heart of the national forest where the creature had vanished. It was a place where the trees seemed to close in around us, casting eerie shadows in the moonlight. One fateful night, our pursuit took a sinister turn. We stumbled upon a grisly scene, the remains of an innocent hiker brutally mauled by the creature. Blood stained the forest floor, and our flashlights revealed a trail of destruction leading deeper into the wilderness. As we followed the gruesome path, the forest seemed to close in around us, and the atmosphere grew oppressive. Each rustle of leaves or snap of twigs sent shivers down our spines. We were no longer the hunters, we had become the hunted. Hours turned into days, and the relentless pursuit pushed us to the brink of exhaustion. Just when hope seemed lost, a stroke of luck led us to the creature's hiding place. 
A GPS signal provided the breakthrough we needed, and we closed in on its location. The final confrontation was a harrowing ordeal. The creature, cornered and desperate, unleashed its fury upon us. But we were prepared, armed with advanced technology and military precision. In the end, we captured the creature once more, ending the reign of terror it had unleashed upon the national forest. The death of the innocent hiker remained a secret, buried beneath layers of government cover-up. As I look back on that dreadful chapter of my life, I can't help but wonder how many more creatures like the one we captured might still be lurking in the shadows, waiting for their chance to escape. The horrors of that secret meeting continue to haunt my nightmares, a chilling reminder that the unknown can be far more terrifying than we ever dared to imagine. I'm not the type to believe in the supernatural, the occult, or even cryptids for that matter. But there's this one experience, an eerie encounter on the eve of Halloween that shook me to my core. I was young and invincible then, or so I believed, cruising down the rural roads of Illinois in my sleek sports car. It was a pitch black night, the kind that makes you feel like you're the only person left in the world, and I was relishing the solitude. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a black cat darted across the road. Its eyes, reflecting in my headlights, gave me just enough time to swerve, narrowly avoiding hitting it. The car spun out of control, the tires screeching against the asphalt, and came to a stop with the headlights facing a nearby field. And that's when I saw them. Dozens of people, all donned in black robes, standing amidst the tall grass. Their eyes, wide with surprise, reflected in my high beams. The sight was so surreal, so out of place, it took me a moment to fully comprehend what I was seeing. Before I could react, they scattered. Like shadows fleeing from the light, they dissolved into the darkness. But a few, their faces hidden beneath their robes, started charging towards my car. Fear gripped me, adrenaline surging through my veins. I could hear my heart pounding in my ears, and without thinking, I slammed on the accelerator, peeling out of there as fast as I could. The sight of the robed figures, their forms shrinking in my rearview mirror, is something I'll never forget. Now, this was back in the late 90s, before the Harry Potter frenzy took over. So, it's safe to say it wasn't some fan gathering. I don't know what they were doing out there in the middle of nowhere, in the dead of night. But it felt like I had stumbled upon something I wasn't supposed to see. Now to the part that still gives me chills to this day. In the split second before I hit the gas, I saw something else in that field. At the edge of my high beams, there was a figure, far taller than any of the robed people, hunched over and covered in hair. It stood on two legs and its eyes, glowing in the darkness, met mine. I've heard tales of cryptids, stories told to scare kids or thrill-seekers, but in that moment, I couldn't deny what I was seeing. It was something unknown, something out of place in the world as I knew it. I didn't stick around to find out what it was. I just drove, leaving the field, the robed people, and the cryptid far behind. Since I can remember, I've always had a deep love for nature, you could say it's my passion. That's why a job as a park ranger felt like a perfect fit. I remember one particular job at a nature park that operated from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Our shifts were always rotating one week, I'd be on the early shift, and the next, 
I'd be closing up for the night. One Friday evening, I found myself on the closing shift. I had led a brief tour for some visitors that day, but other than that, my day was relatively quiet. Since there wasn't much to do, I decided to start my evening walk through early. It was already getting dark, and I was making my way through the woods when I noticed a strange light flashing against the trees behind me. Curious, I went to check out the source of the light. But as I got closer, the light flashed again, this time from the direction I had just come from. I yelled out, telling whoever was messing with me to stop it. Then the light flashed again from a completely different direction, too far for a single person to have moved in such a short time. I figured it must have been two people messing with me, maybe some co-workers, although we weren't particularly close and we didn't typically play such pranks. I yelled again, stating I wasn't in the mood for jokes and that whoever was responsible should leave. Realizing I had no control over this situation, I informed my supervisor that someone might still be in the park and that it wasn't my problem anymore. He told me he'd take over, so I left, got in my car, and began the 10-minute drive home. Suddenly, my phone rang. It was an unknown number. I answered it, and a raspy voice on the other end told me I shouldn't have left them there alone, that I would regret it. I warned them never to call me again and hung up. When I returned to work the next day, I was informed that they'd found a dead dog at the spot where I had seen the flashing lights. The realization hit me like a cold wave. This was the work of a seriously disturbed individual, someone who would commit such a horrific act just to mess with me. My friend and I used to go ghost hunting when we were in middle school. It consisted of me asking questions directed towards spirits and ghosts. This is pre-smartphone days. We also brought a handheld voice recorder that was pretty expensive. It was his dad's who was into music and playing instruments. We brought the recorder because we knew it was more likely we would get an EVP than an interaction we were aware of. EVP electronic voice phenomenon is when you record a noise or voice of a spirit, paranormal entity on your device. When you play the recording, you hear the ip which you did not hear with your own ears because the frequency was too high. I have had several interactions, but I'll talk about two right now. The first I actually heard, and it was terrifying. It was an especially creepy night at the location we were at which we frequented for these interactions. So creepy as took us 15-20 minutes to walk 20 feet. Other nights we would freely walk around and not be creeped out because we didn't feel like there was another presence. Well, this night there was something there, and after I asked a question something in front of me, about ten feet away swiftly glided towards me while gargling a low on, which got progressively louder and more aggressive as it came towards me. The noise came all the way right up to me before I could start to run away. It moved really fast, but I could see absolutely nothing in front of me. There was no body there. My friend and I bolted and ran all the way home. We listened to the recorder the next morning since we were too afraid to play it that night. And it was exactly like I describe it now. The other experience. This was an app. We were listening to a recording at his house that we had just recorded. On the recording I was casually talking to him about something when all of a sudden there is a blood-curdling female scream. 
On the recorder, it was way louder than my voice and long and drawn out, as if a woman had just been stabbed or seen some horrific shit. It was the most chilling scream I have ever heard, and I did not hear it at all when I was at that creepy location having the conversation with my friend. On the recording device, when the scream happens, I am mid-sentence, and I do not pause or react. Neither of us do. I remember that night, and we heard no scream. I've had some other experiences that are just as scary, seen an actual apparition, seen poltergeist, had my girlfriend physically hit and pushed on more than one occasion, and I've had some other ebbs. My story goes back to 1975. My girlfriend and I were driving back to Idaho where I was going to school. We were headed towards Yellowstone Park and the Montana East Gate in a little yellow Volkswagen. It was around midnight and it was kind of snowing and picture a two-lane road with tall trees and no moon or nothing, just our headlights and the snow is falling. All of a sudden there was this figure I saw walking right in the center of the road, walking the same direction as me. In other words, her back was to me. It was a woman. At first I noticed her and I told my girlfriend, do you see what I see? A girl walking out here at midnight. It's probably about 30 degrees out. The closer we got, the more detail I could make out. It was so. I was gonna roll down my window and ask if she needed help. But we noticed that she was wearing very, very old, I guess 19th century garb, clothing. And she had hobnail boots. She had a long shawl and around her shoulders and in her hair, she had long brown hair, down probably a little bit below her shoulder blades. And the closer we got, we noticed something weird. Her hair was completely dry, not wet like you would expect for somebody out in snow. I was about to roll down my window and my girlfriend goes, don't even stop, don't even look, go. You know, that freaked me out because I was just about ready to slow down. She said, don't even look in the mirror. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. She has no face. I drove away. You can imagine... Here we are putting along in a little Volkswagen, and I just slowly moved over to the right to avoid hitting her. As I moved off and later got to the gate, the ranger said, sorry, the pass is closed tonight due to the snow. I asked, you mean we gotta go back? He says, well, there's a little motel about a half a mile back. We were scared out of our wits. Anyway, we got to this motel and fortunately the guy still had a room available. And as soon as we got in the room, we just locked the door and put the chair in front of it. The rest of the night, we couldn't sleep. Using a throwaway in the off chance, someone I know sees this. To give some parameters, I'm a 20-year-old guy in Tennessee. I've always been into cryptids, supernatural oddities, and basically everything mysterious or unexpected. However, I haven't had the time lately to research too much on which cryptids are which. 
Basically, a couple years ago, I started seeing weird deer. I couldn't explain why they were odd, they just didn't seem right. One day I ended up seeing a rather large buck that had that aura about him, and I shit you not he looked dead at me and stood right up on his rear legs. Needless to say, I bolted before he could start walking towards me. It continued I ended up catching a couple of these encounters on camera, one of a deer levitating, and another of one standing and walking all on my trail cams. Other creepy things started happening like hearing mimic sounds and the voice of my brother coming from the woods when he was standing next to me. I thought it was just something weird on this spooky chunk of land I lived on. I moved about an hour away from there a few months back, and nothing too crazy has happened since. That was until tonight when me and my girlfriend were laying in bed. We didn't get to bed until about 2.30 a.m. and around 3.13 we heard a weird noise through the open window above our bed. It's the goddamn mimicking again. Something is out there making very obvious fake dog noises. I almost went out to check and see if they were okay before my groggy ass remembered all the dogs were obviously brought in for bed over an hour ago. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm pretty sure whatever this is has followed me before, and it followed me again, maybe. What cryptid or thing has these traits in the middle, upper Tennessee region? Any comments or help would be greatly appreciated. It's 4.30 now and I'm laying in bed reading random books online and Reddit threads trying to learn what this is and how to deal with it. I used to hunt to fit in with the family many years ago. Didn't care for it. Wasn't good at it. Went and did it anyways. One of my first kills was a fawn. It was awful. I didn't mean to shoot a fawn. There was a whole herd of whitetail scattered around a field that we stumbled upon. The bastard donor I was with wasn't into hunting properly. So we came upon them driving at dusk and he demanded I hop out of the vehicle and shoot at them from the truck door. I shot at the first brown thing that came into my sights. He was standing half behind a hilltop, and I thought I'd shot at the doe. I was wrong, and let me tell you, there is nothing like watching an entire herd of whitetail scatter, except for one lone doe who stays behind, standing there and calling loudly for her baby. I'll never forget how horrible it was, she didn't leave when we started approaching the fawn either. I got the gut-wrenching experience of watching her baby try to get up and run to her, but be entirely unable to because her front end was mangled while she cried out for it more and more frantically. Eventually she ran when we got too close, but she didn't go far. She stayed at the tree line while the bastard donor fired round after round point-blank into the fawn's neck missing each time and putting the animal in more and more distress. He was breaking its back, he said. He didn't. Eventually, it just bled out. I don't know when the doe left. She was gone when the fawn died. I was never able to go out into the fields after that. I'd questioned the family's hunting abilities for years at that point. I'd had concerns about their practices before but seeing firsthand how ruthless, dangerous, and cruel so-called experienced hunters could be and being thrown into the situation of being a danger myself left me terrified of being in the trees fields with someone like that ever again. I'm still a massive supporter of safe, legal hunting, and I completely understand the appeal of it as both a sport and a lifestyle a freezer full of meat saves a lot of money. I'm thrilled when friends score a big hunt, 
I love seeing records set. But I'm also a huge advocate against any sort of poaching, improper gun use, and immoral hunting. People need to be educated about what they're doing and how. They need to understand the gravity that is killing another living thing. Yes, hunting can be thrilling, beneficial, and a great experience. But it's not like hockey or soccer or any other sport. It's dangerous and deadly. It's grim and disgusting. You either do it right or you don't do it at all. I don't care how much fun you're having. You're involved in an activity with a lot of responsibilities. And if you can't fulfill that, you have no right to kill another living being. Couple that with how many people have died out where I live due to completely preventable hunting accidents because so many people are like the bastard donor and worse, and you couldn't pay me enough to go back out there again. Back in 1995, my ex and I were driving from Langlea, FB, Virginia to Columbus, Ohio. We were on 33 between Harrisonburg, Virginia and Elkins, West Virginia. Very Appalachia, if you know what I mean. To our right, just off the highway and in the forest, there was something very large and gray moving parallel to us. We only saw it for a moment as I was probably doing 80 miles per hour. We didn't get a good look at it because it was obscured by the trees and I was speeding. It looked like the side of an elephant, no head, just this big gray body walking. I said to my ex-wife, did you see that? She replied, WTF was that? We were both shocked. We later joked it was Baby the Dinosaur because we were kids from the 80s. I've seen strange things before and since, but nothing tops that. I haven't thought about it in probably 10 years, but was talking to my wife and son this morning about weird things, and it came up. I googled West Virginia cryptids and found the Grafton monster. My memory is fuzzy, but this is close to what I saw. That's it, that's the tale, just wanted to share. The allure of the forbidden always held a peculiar fascination for me. When I embarked on a solo hiking trip deep into the heart of the vast national forest, I couldn't resist the temptation to explore the uncharted territory that locals had long warned me about. This area, hidden from the prying eyes of tourists and authorities, was rumored to be cursed, a place where ancient legends whispered secrets of unspeakable horrors. As I ventured further from the well-trodden paths, the forest became denser and more foreboding. The gnarled branches of ancient trees seemed to claw at the sky, casting eerie shadows that danced like malevolent spirits. The oppressive silence pressed in around me, broken only by the occasional rustle of leaves or the distant hoot of an owl. The trees began to thin, revealing a desolate clearing in the heart of the forest. Here, the sunlight struggled to penetrate the canopy, casting a feeble glow that only served to enhance the eerie ambience. Amidst the tall, moss-covered rocks, I spotted an enormous boulder that beckoned me closer. It was beneath this colossal stone that I stumbled upon something that defied reason, a nightmarish tableau that would haunt my dreams for years to come. There, nestled beneath the rock's imposing shadow, lay the desiccated remains of a creature that could only be described as colossal. The partially buried corpse was massive, with elongated limbs that stretched outwards as if in defiance of death itself. The skeletal structure was unlike anything I had ever encountered, bearing no resemblance to the fauna of our modern world. 
The bones were aged and yellowed with time, hinting at an existence that spanned millennia. My heart pounded in my chest as I dared to get closer, my trembling hands reaching out to touch the ancient remains. But as I examined the creature more closely, an unthinkable terror gripped me with icy fingers the colossal carcass had moved. Panic seized my senses as the bones shifted and creaked, sinews and tendons that should have long turned to dust strained and flexed. The ancient giant, or whatever abomination it was, stirred beneath the weight of time. In that horrifying moment, the very laws of nature seemed to unravel. Without a second thought, I turned and fled, my footsteps echoing through the chilling silence. The dense forest closed in around me like a suffocating shroud, and my heart pounded a desperate rhythm in my chest. Fear and disbelief warred within me as I pushed myself to run faster and farther. Finally, I burst out of the forbidding part of the forest, back into the relative safety of the more familiar trails. Gasping for breath, I collapsed onto a mossy knoll, my mind reeling with the magnitude of what I had witnessed. What had I stumbled upon in that forbidden clearing? Was it an ancient giant, a Nephilim, or something even more nightmarish? Questions swirled through my thoughts, and I couldn't help but wonder if the legends and whispers of the cursed forest held more truth than anyone could have ever imagined. What did I just witness, and what unspeakable horrors lay hidden beneath the ancient trees of the National Forest? In April 2011, a friend and I were stargazing on my roof on a dry, clear night in New Jersey. We were observing the Lyrids meteor shower that wasn't producing as many shooting stars as we had hoped, but we stayed up there, intensely focused on the sky to see one every few minutes. After a couple hours of this, we caught a bright light in our peripherals. We turn around and see what looks like a bright blue-white lead flashlight traveling in the forest behind the house. At first instinct, we thought it was the police with a flashlight chasing someone. But then we realized that the light was up in the treetops, weaving through the canopy. All we could say is, WTF, is that over and over again as it got closer to us. It was traveling along the direction of the river behind our house and seemed to notice us because as it passed the back of my house, it slowed to a gentle stop, then took a 90-degree turn onto the clearing of our property about 40 feet from us coming straight towards us, as if it had noticed us and wanted to check us out. This is when we got our first really good look at it. It was a perfectly defined glowing sphere of light, the size of a basketball with what seemed like churning flowing plasma inside. Icy blue-white hue emitting absolutely no sound at all. We started screaming at this point. As it approached, it moved very slowly compared to the pace it had traveling through the trees. It seemed almost cautious in its movement, it's weird, but you could sense some form of intention intelligence in its movement. We were horrified because we knew nothing could explain what we were seeing, and we weren't about to F around and find out by letting it get any closer. We scrambled off the roof and ran inside, hiding under a blanket like scared little children, even though we were in our late teens. We didn't talk about it much after that because we just couldn't explain it. About a year later, one of my neighbors is banging on my door, telling me to let him in. He told me that him and a friend were down by the river in that same patch of woods and were chased by a floating silent light ball. 
This freaked me out because I knew he was telling the truth. I had never told him the story of my encounter. I'm a trucker by the name of Jack. I've driven through many a desolate stretch of road, passing by endless miles of nothingness. The solitude doesn't bother me. In fact, I kind of like it. But there's this one memory, this one particular drive through the middle of nowhere Colorado that still sends a chill down my spine. There wasn't much around. Just barren landscapes, the open road stretching out in front of me, and my truck humming along to the rhythm of the highway. It was the only road visible on my map, and it was almost eerily devoid of human touch. But then, up ahead in the horizon, probably about a half mile away from the road, I spotted an unusual cluster of houses or buildings. In a place so desolate, so untouched by civilization, the sight of these structures seemed utterly out of place. Intrigued, I kept my eyes on them as I approached, curiosity piqued by the incongruity of it all. As I drove past, I got a clearer view. The houses were set up in a circle, forming a sort of perimeter around an open area. What was more unsettling, though, were the people I saw walking around in the center. They were all donned in black robes, their faces hidden from view, gathering in a tight circle. Then, out of nowhere, three black SUVs appeared. They drove across the barren landscape, plumes of dust rising in their wake, heading directly towards the group. A sense of unease crept over me, a cold shiver snaking down my spine as I watched the scene unfold. Something about it felt wrong, like I was inadvertently witnessing something I shouldn't. I remember wishing I had the time to stick around, to see what was really going on. But duty called. I had a schedule to keep, deliveries to make. So I kept driving, leaving the strange sight behind me. In the rearview mirror, the sight of the robed figures and black SUVs slowly faded into the vast Colorado landscape. I often find myself mulling over that sight, wondering what was happening back there. It seemed like something out of a cult movie, a secret meeting in the middle of nowhere. But I guess I'll never know for sure. All I have is this unsettling memory and a story that sounds too strange to be true. I've seen many odd things during my years on the road, but that eerie sight in Colorado remains the most inexplicable of them all. There's something about driving at night that strips the world of its normalcy, turns the mundane into the mysterious. I learned this the hard way during a run from Yuma, Arizona, driving the lonely stretch where the I-8 intersects the 85 at Gila Bend. It was a familiar route for me. I'd made countless runs along that road, so much so that I even had a regular spot where I'd pull over to stretch my legs and take a leak. That night was no different or at least that's what I thought as I rounded a bend, the spot in question just up ahead. As I was about to pull over, my headlights illuminated a figure strolling across the highway. It was a creature unlike anything I'd seen before, a strange amalgamation of features that didn't belong together. It looked canine, but its appearance was grotesquely warped. Its hind legs were elongated, almost rabbit-like, but twisted in a way that didn't seem natural. Its body was lean and muscular, its defined muscles rippling under the skin as it moved. Its snout was long and narrow like that of a wolf, but devoid of any fur. 
The creature's skin was an unusual sight, a stark contrast to the mangy patches you'd expect on a hairless animal. Instead, it was thick and tough-looking, almost akin to a rhino's, but it had an uncanny smoothness to it that caught the reflection of my headlights. But what really got me, what truly sent a shiver down my spine, was the way it regarded me. As I slowed down, it didn't panic or run away as you'd expect a wild animal to. It simply continued its leisurely stroll, its eyes never leaving me. It was as if it was sizing me up, unafraid and eerily calm. The creature was massive, easily the size of a Great Dane or a Cane Corso, and its bizarre, uncanny appearance left an indelible mark on my memory. I watched, paralyzed, as it disappeared into the darkness on the other side of the road. Needless to say, I didn't stop that night, nor any other night after that. My usual pit stop was permanently tainted by that eerie encounter. Now, every time I make that run, I can't help but scan the roadside, half expecting to see that creature again. And each time, a chill runs down my spine, a reminder of the night when the mundane turned into the mysterious. I have stories about both my farm and my boyfriend's farm that might be interesting to you. Farms have a lot of history. My family has been farming in the exact same spot since the 1970s when my family arrived from Germany, and his family has been farming in the same area since the 1930s. Therefore, they have lots of tales. My boyfriend's dad, I'll call him my father-in-law, because he basically, as I swear, has seen everything at least once and has the most interesting stories. I will share a couple of his to start. For context, my boyfriend's family farms on both sides of Iowa and Missouri border, since they live fairly close to the state line. They have corn, soybeans, and beef cattle on pasture. I particularly love the cattle because I love getting to jump in the ranger and ride around the pasture with my boyfriend to check on the cows. We do this almost every night in the spring, summer, and fall to make sure they are healthy, not injured, account for the calves, make sure they have enough grass, and look to see if there are any holes or breaks in the fences. In the wintertime, they get moved to a lot with a covered shed to protect them from the elements, so they are not on the pasture, and we feed them hay. Anyway, in the mid-2000s, my father-in-law was out in the wooded area of the cattle pasture. The trees are quite dense here, and it often serves as a great deer hunting spot in the late fall-winter once the cows have been moved to the winter lot. He was setting up trail cameras in the woods to watch deer in preparation for hunting season that fall. After some time, he came back out to get the card out of the camera to see if there were any big bucks roaming around. When he took a look at some of the pictures, he saw that there had been an unusual man back there. Trespassers aren't all that uncommon, and often it's just an annoyance rather than cause for concern. There was no way to tell who it was, so he just forgot about it. A few days later, he went back to hang the camera back up in the tree. When my father-in-law went back a second time about a week later to get the camera to see the pictures, someone had dug three makeshift graves in the back corner of the pasture. At the head of each grave was a wooden cross with the first name on it. He unfortunately didn't catch the man on trail camera, but he alerted the police about the situation. I think based on the names on the crosses, the police had an idea of who it could have been. The rural Midwest is smaller than you think for being so vast. 
My father-in-law wasn't really sure what came of that and never asked too much into it. But if he hadn't discovered those graves in the pasture and alerted the police, they might have been filled. For the second story, my father-in-law had some farms in Missouri that were bordered by the Missouri River. The Missouri River flows down through the Dakotas, along the Iowa-Nebraska border, and then at Kansas City it takes a turn and divides the state of Missouri in two until it reaches the Mississippi. One spring in the late 1990s, he was out in a field next to the Missouri River planting corn. This was before all the current high-tech tools that farmers have at their disposal, now which can tell you if you have an issue with your machine right from the cab. He thought that his planter was having some issues, so he jumped out to check if something was broken. When he got out of his tractor, he noticed a really strange smell. A bad smell. If you know anything about farming, planting season is fast-paced time to try to beat the weather and he was more concerned about getting his crop planted than investigating. He just assumed it was a dead deer washed up in the river and continued on until he though the planter was having problems again a few hours later. This time, he was on the end of the field closer to the river. The smell was stronger and unlike anything he had experienced before. They continued on that day working until one of the hired men asked if anyone noticed the bizarre smell coming from the river. My father-in-law said he had, and wondered to them if it was a dead deer, but usually deer didn't stink quite like this. One of the hired men wandered across the field to the edge of the river. It's not like a nice sandy beach that touches the ground to make a shoreline. Often it is a rocky or steep overlook many feet down to the river below to get a closer look. At the bottom, he saw what he thought was animal tangled in the branches washed up by the river. Looking closer, he realized it was a person. They immediately called the police. Turns out, it was a missing woman who was a known prostitute from Kansas City who had made it this far downstream. I cannot find the exact article or name, and I don't know if the police ever told my father-in-law her name even though they briefly questioned him. But I do know there are a few articles of women being found in the river east of KC in the late 1990s.